Back to the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. a Friday getting into Super Bowl weekend and uh, getting ready here on the ticket water cooler as uh, well I guess the Super Bowl square Are the Super Bowl square is done maybe we'll hand those out later in the day sorry I think we have a couple left but I'm not sure how many but also if you're one of the first hundred people to come down to uh, Buffalo Wings and Rings this coming Sunday if you already have a square you'll get another one if you don't you get one oh, so there you go. first 100 people through the door get another square yeah that so uh, that's a way to, to win prizes lots of good prizes out at buffalo wings and rings for the big game party here on sunday again game starts at 5 30 you're want to get going to want to get there early uh to to enhance your chances we've got a bunch of jerseys we've got a bunch of gift cards yeah. we've got people like we're all good not yeah. all of us but a lot of people are going to be there um i'll be there and you guys are if you're chiefs fans too i was looking at some of the jerseys Cool Chiefs jersey. Oh you're, yeah, you're gonna if you're like Marquez Valdez Scantling. This is where you want to be. I'm not gonna say, but you yeah, already, we can say. He showed said. him. He showed him off the other oh, day. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. We'll, some Will, Will Shields, Shields. Marquez Valdez mm. Scantling. Um, I think there was another one. There were two Will Shields. One, one was a black one. Looked nice. Yeah. Um, I think there was another one, but I don't remember who it was. But I think there's about four. I think there there might be some more as well. But some nice jerseys uh, as prizes to win. So, yeah, good big game party going on there. Everybody's got uh, their plans for the Super Bowl. Uh, pretty good transition here as we welcome on Brian Munson of Husker Online and On3. Uh, Brian, what are your plans for the Super Bowl? You, you got a cheering interest? Well, <clears throat> I, I, anyway, uh, happy Super Bowl weekend, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway rooting for the Eagles. I, I just, I'm so amazed that they are where they are at. Uh, I just got off the phone talking to a buddy out in California who's a big San Francisco fan. And um, honestly, he couldn't really kind of fathom what he saw, you know, when Purdy got hurt, everything just kind of, you know, just kind of raveled and unraveled in front of his eyes. And, and he was like that, you know, and I told him, I was like, that team in Philadelphia, they, they're not just one year ahead. They might be two years ahead, mm-hmm. like from where I kind of felt like they would be. So such an amazing job. I felt like from that coaching staff and, and the additions that they have made personnel-wise around, it's just been clutch. They're so tough in the trenches. they got a great front seven. They have the you know best offensive line in the league. I guess I can go as far as to say that. And I just, you know, and it's really – they've really catered that offense around Jalen Hurts. So I think that it's a fun team to watch, and I had to watch them a lot because my, my son's a Dallas Cowboys fan. So <laughs> we were watching a lot of NFC East football. And uh, there just wasn't a lot of things that anybody could do to like slow down Philly when Hurts, you know, wasn't hurt and he was operating with the offense. And and I like watching KC as 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 hard as that is to say, um, as hard as that is to say, basically about being a Bills fan. And um, it's just I love Mahomes. He's a, he's a he's fun to watch. I just don't feel like you know. I think they're so um, so dinged up. Um, I just uh, I, I have a hard time feeling like they're going to be close enough to 100 percent to kind of compete with that that Eagle defense and and I just that that's maybe the matchup the that that those front lines and how they're going to p- uh, play against each other but I don't really have I'm actually up in Nebraska I'm hanging out with a bunch oh. of former college friends I'm looking forward to that and my son and we'll just be hanging out and uh, trying my best to probably get some recruiting writing done during the big game on Sunday. 
Well, we can try to figure out how long you've been been at this by by this question. Uh, any recruiting stories or thoughts from the the former Huskers that'll be playing in the Super Bowl? Any recruiting stories about them? Yeah, I mean we've got Indomik and Sue and Jack Stoll, DiCaprio, Boodle, oh, and gosh. Cam Jurgens. I'm telling you, man. Okay, so first of all, Jack Stoll. I I, I want to start there. I, mm-hmm. I I'd love to start with Indomikin, but it's hard for me to un, to overlook Stoll. Was such a great kid to talk about talk to in high school. I loved his film. I think it was maybe I'm trying to remember who I was talking to, another media member, and I just felt like he was a pro tight end, and he just never really flourished in Lincoln. I mean, he had a couple of injuries. He was kind of dinged up, and he's really put it all together since he's gotten to the NFL. But I, I really went down like the first the first time I saw him, I was like, that dude's an NFL. NFL tight end. Mm. I just felt that from the from the day I saw him. I just felt like that was such a great get for Nebraska. But in Dominican Sioux, I got the funniest story. You need, me, you need to give me two minutes about this. I, okay. I went down to San Antonio. I watched him at the U.S. All-Amer- Army All-American game, and he hadn't committed to anywhere yet. It felt good for Nebraska, and talking to all the other guys that were down there, the Philip Dillard and the Craig Roark and the Leon Jackson, all the other guys that were down there that year, you know, talking to them about how they felt about about getting in Dominican. But that summer, he obviously had signed, and I bumped into him in Lincoln. And he had just shown up from Seattle, or from Portland, excuse me. And the the dude had probably put on, I don't know, 15 or 20 pounds of just total rip. And he remembered me, obviously, from just five months prior or whatever. And I was like, good grief, in Dominican. What have you been eating? And he just laughed. And my son... My my son, who was a D2 football player, when Ndamukong went down to reach down and, and shake his hand, my son was like probably five, I don't know, grabbed my leg and wouldn't even look at it. He was, it was, just, he, was he was so big, and he had just <laughs> had just had blown up there in that four- or five-month uh, deal. He just knew looking at him, I was like, oh, gosh, I'll be watching this guy on TV for years and years and years. But that's like the funnest Indomitian, like funniest recruiting story like that was just my son wouldn't even shake Indomitian hand because he was just so big. Yeah, and it's crazy to see, you know, that class obviously was really, that was the big class under Bill Callahan. It's crazy, oh, yeah. um, you know, that as it, it's almost coming to an end to that story because Indomitian too, of course, um, the best part of that story and the longest part of that story, but his career is coming to an end. I, I like you, I'm going to be cheering for the Eagles a little bit, so uh, at least if this is the end for Dominican Sioux, he can go out on top. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, too, about uh, the recruiting class coming up in 2024. Um, I, I know we're kind of turning the page now from 2023 to 2024, maybe some post-spring additions in the portal, um, but you kind of got to wait to see who's cut and you know just kind of who's on the move there. As Nebraska looks at, at 2024, who are some of the top targets uh, that Nebraska fans should have in mind and, and think right now, if they hear these names uh, commit to Nebraska, you know, these would, these would be mm. the guys to look out for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting time. We got, we got hit up by the on three news desk to kind of give us, give them our top five. So the timing of this question is pretty Im- impeccable. We, we went back and we kind of scoured through things and obviously the number one choice was very, very clear. But then getting through the other four, I mean, I felt like I really had like about 15 guys Hmm. that I could slot there. And I just like, oh, my goodness, like just Nebraska recruiting. I I think that this is a huge tribute to to Matt Rule and his staff. I think that they have gotten Nebraska to a very good position very quickly. I think it is leveraging some of what either Scott Frost or Mickey Joseph had done prior to that. But I think that they've elevated it. I think that they have improved it in in a number of different areas. So. So my top five, 
my top five that I, I'm going to be presenting up to the to the national news desk before I even presented it to them. Uh, Dylan Rayola, I mean that's a number one across the board. It was an, it's going to be the number one guy for multiple programs. When those articles start get kicked out by on three, expect Rayola on top of multiple teams lists. Mm-hmm. So that's just something that people can expect. Number two, Ainsworth tight end Carter Nelson. Mm-hmm. He is, a, he is a national, national recruit, guys. I was in Omaha this weekend, and I was talking to several Omaha coaches, sidebar kind of things. So I won't give names out. And I just asked him, like, is that the best eight-man player in the state history? Absolutely. Getting yeah. offered by everybody. Kid, kids, kids are a phenomenal athlete. So when you got Omaha guys, coaches that have been doing it for years and years and years, giving that kind of praise back to another player that they don't even see, because of classification and because of geography, that says everything I really need to know about Carter Nelson. So I'm going to actually be going to see him play basketball next Friday. So we'll mm-hmm. catch up about that too. I shall be on the road next Friday as I'm going out. So hopefully I have cell signal grabbing out from Carney to, to Ainsworth. Um, <laughs> from, so then additionally, Andrew Sprague from Kansas City Rockhurst. Now Matt Rule was there. So great sign that the head coach is stopping by to see you. Um, and, and Sprague is just, blown up and Sprague actually visited Nebraska earlier in January. Okay. Another good sign from that, you know, number, number four guy in the state, number 13, uh, offensive tackle overall, number you know, top 150 guy. Like he's a dude that's a six foot eight, 270 pound offensive mm-hmm. tackle. Grant Bricks, number one player in the state of Iowa, Logan, Iowa. You know, he's got everybody on him now. Notre Dame just offered Pitt just offered. He has gone from a high regional guy to now a national recruit just basically across the river. So this is a huge one for Nebraska to kind of get in the net right away. And then the last one, williams uh, Lee's, uh Lee Summit, Missouri, number one player in Missouri, number one defensive lineman in the nation, number three overall nationally. So I got three wow. guys in the top three nationally, according to on three on this top five list. And if you really, outside of Rayola, the four guys – are like not even like 500 mile radius guys. They're they're 300 mile radius guys. They're this is a really 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 tight group of of grouping of guys, really high talent guys, to get them in. I mean, it was really tough to like leave off like more in state players. You know, great to get Caleb Benning in there. Great to get Davon Hall in there. Great to get Caleb Pyfram in there. Um, tough to do when you get those other kind of offensive linemen around. I mean, I left off Navarro Shunky. Navarro Shunky technically is a higher-rated player on on three than Grant Bricks is. So it's it was really, 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 really tough coming down to five guys. But that's the five list, and it's going to be really fun to see how things kind of evolve here. Nebraska should be a player. Williams Nwarney, he's got offers from Alabama and everybody. It's going to be really difficult, I think, to kind of keep him home. But Nebraska is going to really put their, put their uh, foot forward, and they want to be effective in that Kansas City space. So you got two guys there with Sprague. And William and, and Williams Nwerney, so it's going to be really fun to watch. Sounds like it could be a, a really good class for Nebraska if they can land a few of those guys. Obviously, uh, like you said, Dylan Raiola is going to kind of get the attention from most people, not just in Nebraska but around the nation. Um, what does what does what does a Dylan Raiola? I mean, we can always go down the road of how how much can Nebraska get him or how or what, what's your percentage or whatever, all that. Um, but what would it mean for Nebraska to land Dylan Raiola in your eyes? It's it's going to completely change the landscape of Nebraska's board. Um, there's I, I put it in tunnel talk, man. I, I call it the Pied Piper effect. Um, 
I think you could take a snapshot of things right now. I think you could take a snapshot of things all the way up to, to Dylan Ayola um, committing, and it's going to look one way. And, and I think that as soon as that happens, and you, you, this is, I mean, people have to understand, this is a number one player in the nation that's going to commit to a brand new head coach to a program that hasn't won like what, more than five games over the last four or five seasons. Mm. I mean, that is a, that's a tough pull. That's a really tough pull, but Nebraska is in that position right now. And that's just like, that's like one of the most amazing things about it all together. But if he does commit to Nebraska, things are going to change radically. You're going to have more and more players that are going to want to take a look and see why the number one player in the country wanted to go to Lincoln. And it goes beyond legacy. We know it goes beyond legacy now. When, it, when that happens, when it gets to that level, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down to there's something there now that Matt Rule is cooking. There's some things there in Nebraska that they have that, that are special that I need to go take a look at, like the facilities, like the game day atmosphere, like the NIL. There are those things there that are going to get some really, really, really close attention, and, and, and Riola cannot just put Nebraska on the map. Nebraska could become the map for a couple players. I mean, there's guys like, you know, uh, Aaron Hampton, who I talked to yesterday. I'll have his update tomorrow. And he was like, Nebraska is seriously contacting me the most out of my top seven. They're going to get an official visit just based on how, much, how well they communicate with me. So mm-hmm. now if Nebraska's laying that groundwork where these guys have got top five, top seven, top, t- top ten guys, top ten schools, and – then they see Nebraska gets Rayola. You're going to see that list trim quick, and Nebraska is going to get a lot of going to get a lot of consideration to stay in there, particularly from like offense, skill position players, because Rayola is part of the class. We're speaking with Brian Munson on three Husker Online, and Brian, you know, speaking about Rayola in the quarterback position, Georgia offered you know another five star quarterback in the class of 2024, and that led to a lot of a lot of freaking out on Twitter from Husker fans. And you know, I I don't want to be you know, the guy that throws water on the fire, but I, I thought that I, I was saying that, you know, it's kind of like Nebraska having their offer out to Daniel Kalen. It's just them covering their bases just in case they don't get the number one recruit in the nation. Is is that, um, am I crazy for thinking that or should I jump on the hype train? Uh, I think I'd be 50-50 on that one. Um, look, Georgia is going to take two quarterbacks in this class. They've already got a guy committed, high three-star. Uh, then to offer another 2024 guy, I think at least expresses some doubt that they're going to get Rayola to join their class. That they've, they are, they are not putting all the risk in into one egg, basically in the carton. They are, they are spreading that risk around a little bit now. They're keeping somebody else warm. They understand, of course. I think timelines that that Rayola is kind of looking at. I mean, they have a lot. <laughs> They certainly have a lot to offer back-to-back national champions. Kirby Smart seems to be doing great things in the SEC. You know, uh, Dylan was at the national championship game, saw them saw them go ahead and run over TCU. There's a lot of things for, for Georgia to feel really, really good about, except for that quarterback commitment now and offering that second guy. It kind of gets in the way. But if you're number one guy in the nation and that's your spot, do you really care? I don't. I don't think you do. You're still calling your shot wherever it is that you want to go. And and I think the only other, the only room that I think is going to catch really Dylan's eye and go, mm, I'm not sure about that one. It's going to be USC. USC's quarterback room is just ridiculous. Riley has got a ton of talent out there uh, with with USC. So I I think I think that the Georgia thing is about them spreading the risk a little bit. Maybe maybe having some doubt. But again. Dylan's going to look past the one commitment. He's going to look past the new offer. And if those guys are really, you know, 
really the ones that they want to bring in, that's fine. But he's the number one guy. He's going to call the shots. He's going to be the dude wherever he goes. Uh, one final question for you here, Brian, before we let you go. Uh, Bob Wigger had his uh, press conference yesterday, uh, kind of kind of brought up the thoughts of, of recruiting in Texas again. Of course, they did a good job with him. Not so much looking forward with Wigger, but kind of looking back, there's a bit of a dispute, I suppose, in, in the recruiting community, how much Nebraska has been hurt by not having recruiting, not being able to recruit as much in Texas because of different conference affiliations now. Um, do, you, do you find that to be a big deal and part of Nebraska's kind of downfall fall uh, over the last several years since joining the Big Ten, or do you think that's a little bit overblown? Well, obviously the performance hasn't been there, and Nebraska hasn't been recruiting the state of Texas, so is there a correlation? Possibly. It, but, let me, but let me back up even further. I feel like the coaches that, that made that determination that, the, that, the, that, that what was really the strength about you know, Nebraska in their platform to recruiting Texas players was just that they were in the Big 12. And I think that that's a complete and totally uh, uh, naive statement. I think that the brand is strong in Nebraska being a Big 10 school just as much as it was a Big 12 school. You aren't playing two times in the state of Texas anymore, but I mean – now with the television coverage the way that it is and, and travel, et cetera, I, I don't think that people need to really get all that caught up on it. And, and people can be successful, you know, in the state of Texas uh, out, outside of the Big 12 conference. So yeah. there are players that are in that in the, in the, in the D1 offer guys that are just – they're homegrown. They're going to stay home. They were, they were born and bred to go be Aggies or a Red Raider or a Longhorn or, or a, a Baylor Bear or SMU Mustang. Those guys are going to stay home, but there is a larger share of the guys that are going to sign Division One offers, Division One national letters of intent, that are going to leave just because of sheer numbers. And those are the ones I think Nebraska can be effective with. And and I think that if you're able to do that and cherry pick that next list of the guys that that are going to that are going to leave the state, you can be effective. And, and I think, like I said, it. it there may not be a direct correlation, but it's hard to overlook the fact that Nebraska decided to take a step back from being from being really recruiting the state hard when they moved to the Big Ten, and look at what's happened with your performance, you know, since then. It's it's not been up to snuff, and maybe there is something to be said about it. Texas kids are different, man. They got to go through off season when they're not in season. They got spring football. They got their passing leagues. They got their summer workout plans. It is a year-round sport down there, man. We've been through it. I'm getting ready to go through it again with another kid that's going to be in eighth grade next year. So it's 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 a it's a lifestyle. As we always say, uh, always informative, always entertaining. Particularly today on in fuego, on fire. Thank you again, Brian Munson of Husker Online on three for joining us today. Have a great weekend, guys. All right, you too. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, uh, just like everybody else out there. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll invite Nick Sainert in for the crossover that's coming up next year on the Ticket Water Cooler, ninety-three-seven. The Ticket.